Macarion to Stokes, who's onside. Wagner! Here's Sims to put Stokes this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it! Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia! Welcome to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. Once again, I am delighted to have on the line, using virtual internet telephone calling software, Mr. Tom Parker. Tom, how the devil are you? I'm really good, John. How are you? Uh, Yeah, I loved the enthusiasm with your response there, Tom. It didn't sound trite at all. Well, I I try my best. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm feeling okay. You know, I, I think it's three games we've had since we last spoke. We've had a win, a loss, and a draw. So things could be better. Things could be significantly worse. So you know, what, what, how? I mean, yeah. How, how how else? How else can you feel? It's kind of it's kind of like good to middling, isn't it? Yeah, and I think um, particularly. I mean, obviously, we're speaking now uh, the night after the Watford game. Um, which we'll no doubt go into, but I think has given everyone a real lift, particularly with the Spurs result. Um, and we know now that it's very much in our hands. So yeah, I think we can. I think we can be as optimistic as as we have been able to be for for at least the whole well, for the whole season. Yeah, pretty much. Um, sh- should we just uh, let's let's should we just go through this chronologically? I, I'm let's gonna, yeah. start at the beginning. It's always good. Yeah. So. Cast your mind back, ladies and gentlemen, to Saturday the 13th of April um, when we were, you know, at least another 11 or so days younger than we are today. (laughs) Um, And we had Southampton versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, And I suppose probably the surprise thing, the first kind of real surprise was that Josh Sims was starting. Yeah, uh, it's something that we've called for for quite some time. Um, I think I've got a few more things to say about it later on, but he seems to have forced his way back in, obviously after coming back from that loan at Reading. And I think one of the things he does give you um, is he moves the ball forward very quickly and he did that very quickly indeed against uh, against Wolves. I mean, it was so quickly, in fact, that he managed to create an assist for Nathan Redmond within two minutes of starting the game. Now, I mean, I can't really remember any Saints. I mean, when was the last time we scored an early goal? Did we do early goals? I'm not sure. I think it was the that was the earliest goal we'd scored since Van Dyke scored for us against Spurs. Wow. That at the okay. time, so that was a good couple of years ago. Uh, we're not really fast starters, are we? No, I'd have I'd have wondered as well. Do you remember when he when he um. Got that assist for Charlie Austin against, against Everton. Everton. Yeah, against Everton. That was that was like that must have been quite early seconds on. or something. Yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty quick as well. Um, 
So, I mean, that that was like a brilliantly positive start. Great uh, bit of movement from Josh Sims. Found Nathan Redmond. Um, and then Nathan Redmond afterwards said, you know, him and Josh Sims had had a little chat beforehand. And he said, you know, if you surge forward and you put the ball in, if th- if we don't get that, that's our problem. You're doing your job. Um, so Josh Sims surges forward, puts the ball into that spot, and, and Nathan Redmond is there. And there we are, 1-0. But he's not just there as well, John, because he wasn't even there. It's the movement that makes the goal, isn't it? It's the sort of... And, you know, it's what everyone's been wanting Nathan Redmond to do, which he finally appears to be doing, is is having that confidence just to be so much more direct and so much more assertive and attack the near post, um, you know, and, and totally took the defence by surprise. Yeah. Um, I th- it's funny, you know, Nathan Redmond looks like he's becoming almost like a clinical finisher in a weird way. And you just think he couldn't kind of hit hit a barn door when he's playing under Hughes. I mean, so much effort and gusto... Um, and you couldn't really fault him in Southampton against Hughes, apart from the fact that he just wasn't, they weren't going in. But no one's was going in either. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like he was the bad egg. You know, like, no one had confidence. Everyone looked devoid of belief and spirit. Um, and, you know, all praise to Ralph for sort of getting him and sort of, you know, roughing up a little bit, but also putting his arm around his shoulder. And, you know, if you think about it, he's actually the main man, isn't he? He's the man that everything goes through for Saints because Ings can't be guaranteed to start every game. So everything, really, you know, they get the ball, they look up and they try and find Redmond. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we saw that again against the game against Watford this week, which we'll get on to a little bit later on. Um, Interesting game, you know, I think Southampton started really positively, had a good few chances, but then Wolves managed to get one back through Bolly. Um and you might have worried at this point, and I don't really want to dwell on the, the Wolves goal, but, you know... It's a good header. It was, I mean, it was a good header. How often do we get beaten by headers? Let's not get into that. Yeah. We'll have a chance to speak about that later on as well. But then... The thing that really pleased me was how quickly Saints reacted to it. I mean, how many times have we been watching Saints and we've scored a goal, it's been like a really important goal, like an equaliser or something like that, and then bang, immediately the opposition kind of get one back um, moments later. It was so good to do it the other way round. Yeah, and what what clever, brilliant goals. You know, if that had been a goal with De Bruyne onto Aguero, um, everyone would have, you know, or, or, you know, Popper onto Rashford, everyone would be raving about it, wouldn't they? Like, oh, great, no look pass, and then a dinked finish. Everyone, yeah, what a great finish, and it and it was a brilliant goal. And again, you know, it shows the confidence, doesn't it? Like, how many times last year, and you know, in the start of this season, did we see Nathan Redmond just smash, like, yeah, you know, just put his laces through it, yeah, you know, and wayward, um, you know, followed by head in the hands. Um, it's not though. It's so much more controlled, and that is is it's got to be confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what is it? Kind of seven goals he's had now under Ralph Hasenhutl, despite you know the fact he hardly he didn't. I didn't think he even got a single goal when he was playing for Mark Hughes, did he? He he did. He got the one. Um, well, was most frustrating game away at Everton. Oh yes, yes, yes. You're right. Yeah. And he's but, got eight. He's got eight now. Eight but, now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it would be hard to say that he's a changed man because he was putting in loads of effort and we were seeing everything but the goals under Hughes. But it's so nice to have the end product now as well, isn't it? Yeah, and also he is a player that I think scares opposition because you just don't know what he's going to do 
his close control is exceptional. His pace is, is you know, he's as fast as anyone in the league. And he's direct. Um, and I think that, you know, Saints have got a problem on their hands now almost with Revan because other teams are going to look at that and go, well, you know, can we make him 5% better? You know, can we add four more goals a season um, on top of what he's getting now? Because if they do, you know, all of a sudden then he's in the sort of, he's in double figures and that makes him quite a hot commodity. Well, I mean, it's funny because if we go on to then Saints' second scorer in the game, which was Shane Long, um, who got the third after he came on a little bit later on. And he's another player who has now suddenly found his scoring boots. And, and actually, if you had Shane Long and Nathan Redmond both getting in with, you know, like 10 to 12 goals a season... That's that's just really effective as well. And then you know, if you then look across and say maybe you'll get a handful from Ward Prowse, handful from Hoiberg, a few from maybe Sims and Armstrong, that is almost more exciting, I think, than having an out and out striker who's banging in twenty and you're, you're totally reliable on re- reliant on. Because if you have all those kind of different players surging forward, all able to score goals, surely that's a much more worrying prospect for an opposition defence. They don't know who to mark. They're worried about everyone. Yeah, and if you think one of the criticisms of Saints over the last few years has been um, the lack of, well, it's a lack of goals, but one of the main things that's contributed to that has been the lack of goals from midfield. Um, if you look at the season, more Prowse of six, Armstrong with four, Hoiberg with four. Uh, you know, like I, I don't know the numbers here, but in previous years, maybe Tadic aside, and, and you could argue Tadic's you know, sort of inside forward. We weren't really getting the goals from midfield. Um, and now it's coming good. And it, and it does mean, you know, that you can have a Redmond, you can have Ings that have got eight each. And it, it, you know, we're not always being outscored. Certainly not second half of the season. Yeah, yeah. And just great to get the three points at St Mary's. I think after our last conversation, we scared a couple of our listeners. I know Edward Marsh uh, tweeted about he was worried after we went through all of Cardiff's fixtures and picked out all their winnable games and then went through ours. Um, but that victory against Wolves, I think, I mean, it doesn't make us safe. But after that game, how are you feeling? I'm still not safe. Well, I still didn't feel too confident. Really? I just that, yeah, because it's it's still until it's mathematically done, um, you can't take anything for granted. And if you look back to uh, what the table looked like after that game against Wolves, um, you know it was still far from over. Particularly, you know, particularly with um, you know Bournemouth with Brighton obviously losing a lot, but not quite. You know, there were only three points off yeah. us at that point and alright it was 8 points between us and Cardiff but you know, Saints could anything can happen anything could happen with Saints is what I would say ok well I mean should, should we should we move on from Wolves I, I think I may have um, uh, an email here actually from Toby Burnell which is an interesting one so he was excited by Jack Stevens coming into the game so he came on as a substitute for Jan Valery I think went off I don't know if he was injured or if it was a tactical substitution um, but also mentioned about Stevens being in right back for the last part of the game uh, that he made the most of it got up the pitch even took on some Wolves defenders and, and Toby seems to remember at least one important tackle and then goes on to ask the question do you think Stevens' constant omission from the squad are just 
He also says thanks and keep up the good work on the podcast. So thank you, Toby. Well, if you do it, we we've got to play what three at the back in terms yeah. of centre backs. Um, someone has to lose out. The problem with Stevens is I think he, like a lot of our players, I put Mario Lamina in this category. He can look brilliant, but then the next thing he can put the whole team in trouble. Um, and I think with Stevens, he is a bit like Yoshida a few years ago and Hoiberg before that. They, you know, he just Stevens always seems to have a mistake in him. And you know, for a centre back, he's not particularly good in the air, and he doesn't. You know, and whilst Yoshida doesn't even seem to go to the air, Yoshida kind of has a knack of being where the ball drops. Yeah. You know, and making those clearances. And Stevens doesn't do that. So if you think that, you know, you can't drop Bednarek, um, yeah, you can't drop Bednarek, uh, cause he's, you know, probably our best defender. You've not going to drop Vestergaard because he gives you so much in the air. Then if you look at it, who are you going to choose? You're going to choose the guy who's played in World Cups, who's experienced, who's got hundreds of Premier League games under his belt, or are you going to choose Stevens? And I, uh, you know, I think Stevens kind of misses out. And there's a bigger debate about if we're going to really push on. You know, we, you know, I, I, players that make mistakes. Are the, uh, you know, and if you look, we've got a lot. We have got players that make individual errors. I put Romeo in that camp. You know, in terms of the number of fouls, the number of times he loses the ball. Yeah, we've got to maybe look at those players that make individual errors and put the team under pressure because we're not a team that can handle pressure. So we need to do everything we can to not put ourselves under it. Yeah, okay. So that's kind of a probably don't quite agree with you, Toby, on Jack <laughs> Stevens. Uh, thank you very much for the comments, though. You know, it's, it, it is interesting. I mean, I, I live in Plymouth um, or near to Plymouth now, as you know, Tom, and Jack Stevens is a, although we chant he's one of our own, it came through the kind of Plymouth Academy and, and stuff like that. And so people ask me about Jack Stevens all the time. They're, they're really quite fond of him. But, you know, I do have that kind of awkward answer back of like, well, you know, he's shown some, sometimes he's been good sometimes it's also been pretty worrying as well but i know. i would i would i think stevens isn't really a center back i i think stevens because stevens is very good on the ball and yeah. he's actually good, quite good at going past people so i'd give him a go forward, in the, definitely I'd, I'd put him in the almost like in the romeo mold you know you can turn stevens from a sort of jobbing premier league center back into a pretty good defensive midfielder i'd say yeah i wonder why nobody's tried that with him I don't know. Well, the problem is, isn't it? I guess the game is so fast and the risks are so great, particularly you know with Saints, every point matters, and they can't sort of maybe just take a chance. But then Ralph seems to be a brave guy. You know, if yeah. you can turn Redmond into a well beater, then who knows what can happen? Right. So then we head up north, up to the Tyne Tyne side and Newcastle United. This game last season was the end of Pellegrino, wasn't it? So what's the score last season? I remember oh. we drew two all at home, didn't we, against them? And Gabudini scored twice. We we did. Um, even that was quite disappointing. Yeah. Um, I think this one was 3-0, if I remember correctly. I think it was. And this was where Saints just kind of gave up, didn't they? Yeah. This was where this was when like, it just looked really dark. Yeah. I think Kennedy kind of had had two goals, didn't he? And Kennedy scored yeah. super early on, didn't he? Yeah, second minute, uh, once again. Um, and we were in awful, awful position at that point. I think just hovering above the relegation zone. Um, and it was, and that was the that was the performance which which did for Pellegrino. 
And uh, I remember he kind of came out afterwards and actually said his players gave up in the match. And I think maybe at that point the board just went, well, we give up as well then. Yeah, it was pretty abject. It's a difficult place to go, uh, as we learned yeah. last week. But so, so I mean, once again, we go to Newcastle, we lose the game, we concede three goals. What's the difference between Pellegrino's 3-0 loss to Newcastle, which was so woeful that the manager got the sack, and, you know, the relatively kind of... I wouldn't say people were positive about the result against Newcastle, but people weren't so down on it this time, were they? Well, I think there's a few things, isn't there? I think Newcastle are a good team. I think people recognise that. They're probably bad and they're, I hate what people say it's probably a bit better than what their league position says they are very strong at home that was their sixth win in seven home games and they just kind of wanted it more and you've got to remember as well with Pellegrino that was the sort of the icing on the cake the sort of pinnacle or, or, or nadir depending on your way of looking at it of terrible Pellegrino management whereas I think now with Ralph people look at it and they say well this isn't this isn't the way it has to be. You know, we're not going to win every game, but we're definitely not going to lose every game. And particularly, you know, they came out in the second half and Saints played really well. So, and, you know, and, and Ralph made a positive change that affected the game. And, and how many times in, in the Pellegrino era could you could you say that the manager made a positive change that affected the game? Yeah, I mean, probably hardly any at all. And, you know, we, we, we were 2-0 down in this game by half-time. Jack Stevens, the aforementioned, got substituted off at halftime, you know, that positive substitution for Lamina, who had a pretty quick impact. He got a goal, um, I think it wasn't that early on, but on, on the hour about, mark. Yeah, about 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right, at that point, it really felt like we were properly bat- back in it. And then we had a few other good chances. All of them seemed to fall to my Yoshida. Um, <laughs> yeah, he had know, two really good chances, didn't he? Yeah. I, I, think, I think, actually, if you look back at the whole game, he could have potentially had a hat-trick, which, um, I mean, you don't really want your hat-trick of chances to fall to my Yoshida. I mean, not that he's shy of scoring goals. I, I, I have seen him score on quite a few occasions. But, you know, it's not the same as having, you know, those chances falling to one of our forward players, is it? No, I think, and also by that time, you kind of felt the game had sort of passed us by. Saints didn't really start, did they? Sort of about half an hour. I think kind of 2 0 down was the wake up call. Because um, we were just torn apart by them. They they kind of out Saints us. Yeah, they outfought us. They were more aggressive. They won every second ball. If they didn't win it, they made sure that, you know, we couldn't do anything with it. And I don't know about from you know, what it looked like from where you were, John, but it just looked like we were a bit shell-shocked by all. Yeah, I, I think we were a little bit surprised. I mean, I don't know whether it was the kind of line-up. Um, I mean, we started with Sims again. He didn't have a particularly great game against Newcastle and <laughs> substituted at half-time for yeah. Armstrong. I think, Along I think with Stevens we... as well. So that's, it's a double substitution. I think with Armstrong and Lamine on, we had a bit more bite and a bit more going forward. Yeah, and a bit more, I think, with Sims, I think. Sims is a funny one, isn't he? Because we love, oh, I love Josh Sims. We've been banging on about him for ages, getting a chance to the team. But I think over the last sort of three games, you've seen sort of the best and worst of yeah. Josh Sims. Um, you know, you saw, you've seen like great direct running. You've seen, you know, real ability to, to make a difference in a game. But also, you know, he, you know, maybe a bit like Valerie, when Valerie started out this season, just there's a little bit of naivety. 
and um i think you know it's costing us a little bit particularly you know against watford where you know you get the ball managed to release sims and either he w- it wouldn't quite go right for him or he'd try and get a foul and he didn't get it and yeah against newcastle it just didn't really work at all no no um second half much better but then as, as soon as newcastle got their third it was really game over Saints searching for an equaliser didn't come and, and then that's it. And I think probably overall you've got to say that the better team won. Yeah, Saints. I mean, it would have been it would have been a bit outrageous if we'd have managed to get anything out of that game. I mean, if you think we could really probably have been down to 10 men and 2-0 down at half-time. Uh, the How James Ward Prowse, which was another, you know, we spoke before about the Crystal Palace game and the sort of How James Ward Prowse is getting an edge to him. And how, much, yeah. how I love we love the James Ward Prowse edge now, but if you think it was a great professional foul, it's like you know six yards into his own half, into into the opposition half. So you know, not quite a professional foul, but definitely a professional foul, and also a free kick far too far away from the goal for anyone to do anything with it, and yeah. only a, only a booking. So all in all, great bit of play from James Ward Prowse. Yeah. And then, obviously, we have the game against Watford, which was last night, and while we held out uh, such a long time before we started recording this this podcast, um, this game was just great fun, right from the absolute off. Yeah, it's a shame it wasn't like a, a Super Sunday, you know, like it said that, or a Friday night game said more, said that neutrals would have watched it because it was brilliant and uh, you know you hear a lot about oh Premier League best league in the world no league like it but if you think that was seventh taking on what fifth from bottom and the quality I thought was brilliant a mate of mine is a Watford fan said they weren't very good well I thought Watford were excellent um, and, and I thought just the quality that you know the, the close control the one touch football the pace the energy the directness you know these teams are 34 games into the season you know, Watford, even more than that, because of their long FA Cup run. I thought they were both brilliant, I'd say. Yeah, really, really fantastically exciting game. Um, thankfully, I managed to actually sit down on my sofa and get the game on before the kickoff, pretty much just as the kickoff was, was happening. And I couldn't quite believe my eyes. It was really weird, because I, I had some weird stream at home, and I... It didn't have the sound. The sound was behind where the screen, the the, the video was, and um, I, I watched him do it. And then I thought, oh, it must be like a yeah. They must have gone to take the kick off. They've taken the kick off wrong, and James and Shane Long's just gone down and chipped past goalkeeper for a laugh. It was all so weird. <laughs> but also, it was like that's what Shane Long's been doing his entire career, and <laughs> centre backs. Even like experienced centre backs are like, oh no, I'll just give myself a little bit extra time. Like it's Shane Long, just get the ball as far away from you as you can. Yeah, um, really, really quick. Seven point six nine seconds, which, as we all know, is now a Premier League record. Um, do you want to hear who Shane Long has knocked off the top spot? Please do tell. It's a uh, Ledley King, famous goal scorer. Yeah, um, he scored for Spurs against Bradford City back in the year 2000, uh, 2001 season. That was nine seconds, point eight two. So, I mean, Shane Long has Slouch. taken a good 2.2 seconds off Ledley King there. I mean, that, that's got to hurt, hasn't it? It's, well, what a great goal. What a, you know, everything like there's no one else involved in that goal apart 
apart from Shane Long. And he yeah. he made it all himself. And also then, again, like we spoke about Revenant's finish, what a beautiful little dink. You know, oh. it's just a really clever finish. It was a really, really good chip. I actually think it was better than Redmond's chip um, because it just all happened so quickly. Um, there, I've been, there's, there's been loads of like wonderful comparisons. Um, I think Michael Cox, who we had on the podcast last season, said uh, he did that um, quicker than, you know, or like in half the speed that uh, the, the note is held by... Um, oh God, I, I'm going to get this totally wrong now. Um, <laughs> did it quicker than... Um, Lou Reed holds a note on one of his songs. Like, so, like, you think about holding a note, Shane Long can score a goal in that time quicker than Usain Bolt can run 100 metres. That's true. That's yeah. the big one. Yeah. That's quite impressive. I... I mean, how long is half a football pitch? Uh, oh, I don't know. It's like 50 metres, maybe? It's got to be. It's big. I mean, he just, you know, we talk about I, players. I look that up look... the dimensions now. Yeah, do that. I mean, we, we talk about players that look revitalised. Um, Shane Long, you know, is not a, a scorer of, you know, a great number of goals, but he scores important goals. And, um, you know, goal to seal the win against Wolves, important goal, you know, against, against Watford. Um, Shane, you know, good goal against Liverpool. Shane Long's back, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Three, three goals in four games, isn't it? It is three goals in four games. And well, also, some substitute appearances there. You know, he doesn't, he's kind of forced Ings out a little bit. Um, Ings isn't necessarily guaranteed to start. I think, yeah, we can talk about the Watford game. About I think Ralph does make Ralph sort of keeps making little tactical errors towards the end of games, which is ridiculous for me to say that, but I think he does, and I think you know he needs to think about because we can't just keep giving the ball away and it keeps yeah. coming back at us. But Shane Long, you know, there's no reason why Shane Long won't start on Saturday against Bournemouth. No, no, I think think you probably have him over Ings at the moment on current form. Yeah. Um, Tom, good news is football length length of a half is about 50 metres because it's got to be between 90 and 120 metres, uh, the, the full length of the pitch. So, yeah, half of that, probably, probably 50 metres. So he's run half the distance of Usain Bolt, but done a lovely chip and won the ball all in that time. Yeah, and and also just does that sort of great Shane Long finish, like yeah. the Shane Long celebration where he runs away, sort of looking a bit surprised that he scored. Okay, Tom, here's a little quiz for you. Can you name the next fastest Southampton Premier League goal scorer? Oh God, uh, Matty? Not Matty. Um, Similar era, a little bit later, but you know, played played with Matty for a little bit. Beat. It is James Beatty against <sighs> Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, thirteen point five two seconds. Wow, which is only hang on the three, four, five, six, seven, eight, ninth fastest Premier League goal. So, so we've got we've got two of the top ten fastest we, goals. We've got two of the top ten. Yeah. Amazing. Shane Long, Ledley King, Alan Shearer for Newcastle, Christian Eriksen, 10 seconds against Man United. That's quite good, isn't it? Mark, v- Mark nice. Viduka, you remember him? I Dwight do. York, Chris Sutton, um, Kevin Nolan, then James Beattie, and then Asmir Begovic against Southampton. That's the goal kick, goalkeeper, wasn't it? That was a horrible day. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's shocking, isn't it? Yeah, that was terrible. Was that, um, was that the holy goalkeeper that let that in, Arthur? I think it was, wasn't it? Oh, maybe. Let's, let's not go over old ground like that. <laughs> no, we don't need to. We've moved on now. Yeah. Um, say, I mean, what, what what do we say about this game against Watford? I mean, it was thrilling. It's funny that during the whole kind of middle part of the match, I the minutes from the second minute through to the 89th minute didn't see another goal, although they saw loads and loads of great kind of end-to-end action, fantastic chances, brilliant moves, fantastic you know, movement from both teams, fantastic kind of build-up play from both teams, um, a couple of dodgy refereeing decisions thrown in, half-time entertainment involving John Barnes and Elton Johns and the World in Motion <laughs> rap. Um, the game had it all, didn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it it just seemed to really flow, um, and also both teams like went full pelt, which I loved. You know, you saw Hoiberg, Paul Prowse flying into challenges against men sort of six inches taller than him and coming away with the ball. Uh, Shane Long being an absolute nightmare, the ball sticking to Redmond's feet. Um, you know, there was so much I love about that game of football. I think yeah. it's actually you know one of the best games of football I watched in in years. Really. Gosh. Yeah, I just thought it was, yeah, I just thought it was more like the quality was so good. You know, Bertram was great. It was all great. Did you watch Tottenham Man City last week? Cause that was also quite good. Uh, I didn't see that, yeah, okay. uh, but I, obviously don't I heard I mean, about you, it. You've seen Saints Watford, so you don't need. Yeah, to even I've need seen to all the big stars. That. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I found quite interesting is. Cathcart, uh, what's his name? Is it Cathcart? Cathcart? Cathcart, yeah. yeah. He was clearly shaken by Shane Long and kept on making chances. Um, one of the things, though, which I was really kind of quite surprised by, that Decore had the absolute... Um, uh, you know, tenacity to try and score with his hand against us again. Again, I know. It was so good. And also, you almost got away with it again, didn't yeah. you? He, he no, nearly no, did, not... yeah. No one called it, and he did the same thing where he sort of, he sort of like, I'm gonna handball it, but if I sort of crouch down, yeah, and put my head near my hand, no one will notice what I'm about to do, and he almost got away with it again. Do you think it's just because he's like such a big beast that he's like, very, you know, referees they look at him, they can't see his limbs, they just see this kind of like enormous huge. beast of a human being, kind of like charging. He's uh, an amazing athlete. I mean, but what's annoying as well is I think he got booked later on in the game. And, you know, he, he would have been booked had that, you know, for trying to score with your hand. I think you do generally get booked if you get caught. And again, you know, so, you know, it's a, as always, it's a game of what ifs. But, you know, also just another point, Watford were, weren't they? Like, did you see that? Like Watford kicking people in the air a lot and all niggly horrible fouls? Or is that just me being sensitive? Um... I th- I think it's a, a, a bit of both, perhaps. Um, I think Watford were very aggressive, but I also think Southampton were really aggressive. I think James Ward Prowse was tremendously aggressive. Um, what what it is that Ralph Hasenhutl says to him before each game, I have no idea, but it seems to really kind of rile him up. Yeah, we could do with another goal or two from James before the before the season's out. But he, there was one great bit in the second half where I think he ended up on the left-hand side of the pitch for Prowse. And he, I can't remember who it is. It might be like someone like Decore. He just slams into Decore. Yeah. He almost like runs underneath Decore and comes out with the ball. And, you know, it was just like, you just never would have seen that from James Ward Prowse. 
I'm not talking a year ago, I'm talking like four months ago, you wouldn't have seen it. It's yeah. just, it's a man transformed. Um, yeah, that, I mean, that was quite curious with James Ward-Prowse because he obviously started in right back and then finished in, in left wing. And I wonder if this is almost kind of the worst thing for James Ward-Prowse at the moment is that his versatility means that he's not getting that that kind of position in the middle of the pitch because I think a few weeks ago when James Ward-Prowse was scoring and we were talking about him, we were kind of talking about him as the first name on, on the team sheet. But perhaps the problem is now that now we've got a few injuries or Jan Valerie's been ill. He's kind of getting moved out of position. He's not having a chance to do what he was doing so well in the centre of midfield before. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. Um, it's funny really now because he's just sort of made that for his own. I think he's benefited, obviously, from the lack of Mario Lamina, um, who, you, you know, you think is a very natural kind of uh, Hassan Hootel player in terms of the sort of dynamism and the pace, skill on the ball, but also a bit of steel. Um, but we do, you know, the squad is a bit thin, isn't it, really? If you look outside of sort of the five midfielders that we regularly play, you know, you're only a couple of injuries and suspensions away from, well, I don't know who'd actually come into that midfield. So, I, I, you know, it can only be a good thing. But he has he has really stamped his authority on it. I, I was just looking there. The funny thing is, how many assists do you think James Ward passed this season? Oh, um, I don't know, five. None. None. Gosh. Single assist according to the BBC's website. I mean I, I like to think I'm being charitable, but I like to think that's because, you know, his balls into the box just cause chaos. And you know, if they don't get the goal directly off it we'll get one after that. But but just I was very surprised by that. Yeah, I'm quite surprised at that because you know, he's he does whip in decent decent crosses and quite a lot. I mean how many assists does he normally get in in the season? I don't know. Where do you find those sort of stats? Yeah, from? I don't know. But he, some sort of nerd website, <laughs> I guess. But he will, you know, he he is just absolutely, you know, it, it's more than that, isn't it? It's the goals, it's the chaos he causes with these incredible balls into the box. If you think about it, you know, the goal against you know Shane Long's goal against Wolves that wasn't an assist for. Ward Prowse, but it's his ball into the box that causes the sort of panic that then leads to Shane Long being able to net from, you know, just three yards out. Yeah, yeah. Right, I've got his assist stats for the for the previous seasons. Um, so last season, out of 30 games, he had three goals and three assists and three yellow cards. Uh, season before, 30 games, four goals, four assists and four yellow cards. Um, season before that, 33 games, two goals, four assists, and five yellow cards. Um, and 14, 15, 25 games, one goal, six assists, no yellow cards, but one red card. Is due a red? He's due a red. I remember that being sent off. It was such a strange thing. But also, I think one of the, the things that is interesting with Saints is you've got, we play three centre-backs, Got a great delivery of the ball. When was the last time one of our centre backs scored a goal from a corner? Oh, mate. I, I can't even I mean, remember if we've done it this it, season, have we? Is it Wesley Hoyt last season against West Brom, maybe? Yeah, probably. Or Jack you know, Stevens like, against West Jack, Brom. Jack Stevens? Or, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, when I say from, uh, scored a goal from a corner, I mean like cross in the box, centre back heads it. You know, classic English in. goal. Yeah. Rather, rather than sort of like ball bounces around a bit, comes back out, 
send oh, back scores. Yeah. yeah, which he does love to do. But you know what I mean? Just interesting that. Just a weird dynamic. You think with Estegard, we'd have someone who could just steamroller everyone else but it just doesn't seem to happen see i i think vestergaard is waiting for a moment from 40 yards out top your top corner screamer balls on fire hopefully in the game against huddersfield on the end of the last day of the season because so, i'm going to be there at st mary's oh very jealous of that very yeah. jealous um so one one uh great game of football Really disappointed that Watford got the equaliser in the 90th minute. Um, on the replays on the television, it showed that they were offside. Yeah, I've not seen this yet. I mean, I'm it not, was I kind don't... of like we are talking inches offside. It's not like a whole body offside. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I wonder, are Watford there with these kind of late equalising goals at Vicarage Road just to kind of sell VAR to Southampton fans? <laughs> You think, I mean, Watford have sort of become a bit of a, a bogey team for us. Even though they don't actually often beat us, they often just feel that you get slightly cheeky, unjustified results. Um, but to be fair, Saints should look to Watford and look at what they've done there in terms of, you know, they don't have a huge budget. They managed to sell a sort of more well-known players every year and they've managed to keep doing well. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was It was a really good game. But again, you know, could we? Could they have gone down to 10 men at the very end? Possibly was their goal offside. Possibly was one all a fair result. I'd say definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think probably what's so excited about that game is that you've got two young European managers that are doing kind of big things with smaller teams. Okay, obviously Hasenhutel hasn't done tremendous things that have been noticed elsewhere outside of Southampton yet, but I think Saints fans can see the transformation happening pretty quickly. And I think you know you look at Javi Grazia, you look at um, Ralph Hasenhut, or you look at Spirito Santos at Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if those three managers are going to be the ones that are going to be talked about next season as ones that could then potentially be snuff, snaffled up by a, whichever big six side is not doing as well as they were hoping to. Well, I was, I was probably Man United on the probably mate. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was talking to a colleague today, and he was saying, "Yeah, I love it." Uh, Soska's already out giving press conferences saying he's the right man for the job um, which I absolutely love because he's been in that job permanently for what about four weeks um, yeah. but I guess and this is the thing when when they gave him that job I felt kind of a bit smug because I was worried that you know Pochettino would go to Man United and that, I, I mean this is kind of ridiculous but Hassan Hill would go to Spurs it's never going to happen not yet but and now I'm just thinking again I'm like Christ if they fire Solskjaer then they're going to get Pochettino and then we're going to end up losing Ralph. But I, I don't know, maybe it's a bit too early and for Ralph to get one of those, you know, I hate to say it, bigger jobs just yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's on the radar yet. I wouldn't have thought anyway. But also, I think, you know, if you look at what Pochettino is doing at Tottenham, now they've got that stadium, there's a bit of momentum, they've got to their Champions League semi-final. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to stay there a little bit longer. He seems like a man who almost relishes the challenge of not being given any new players but just working with what he's got yeah or if anything working with fewer players yeah um, as they all get injured and yeah but i look now i mean you know if you look at the players who've got on loan could you see Carrillo coming in you know, a big lump like Carrillo coming back into that team i, I don't think you can Buffal, there's no doubting his talent but it's attitude is what matters 
and by all accounts, Bufal stinks. Um, you know, Hoyt is clearly someone that that Ralph doesn't fancy at all. So, so yeah, you know, what do you, what do you, you know, we've got a lot of players out on loan, a lot of wages that we're probably still spending, but we need to get rid of those players. Yeah. I mean, is, it, is is now the right time to start talking about what we want in the summer or should, should we save that for maybe we in should, a couple of we weeks' should, time? We should save that when we know what we're going to be looking at because it could be a difference between, you know, which Premier League player, which Champions League player do we fancy and, you know, that guy for Brentford in, in League One, he's been pretty tasty. So, yeah. um... <laughs> um, so, I think, where does that leave us now? It leaves us in 16th position still. Um, with 37 points the all important relegation rivals for that third and final spot Brighton and Hove Albion on 34 points so they're three points behind us um, but with a goal difference of minus 22 compared to our minus 17 and then we have Cardiff all the way down in 18th currently occupying that relegation position with 31 points so a full six points behind us but their goal difference is atrocious minus 35 so they've got Which, to get 18 goals yeah to make up that point um so Which, when so when are we going to do it do you think it's going to be saturday it's got to be hasn't it home to yeah. bournemouth you'd think so Bournemouth and also, are in rotten form as well, aren't they? They are. They're in dire form. And also, Bournemouth are not, you know, let's be, we always do this. What well, I always do is I'm always ridiculously over-optimistic. But let's have a think. You know, we beat Bournemouth. We're up to 40 points all of a sudden. You know, we there's two more games after that. West Ham, you're going to think, of sort of, again, you know, lost their way. have lost, you know, lost three of the last four games, drawn the other one. We could get a result there. And then it's a home to Huddersfield. I'm, I, all I'm saying here, John, is that mid-table mediocrity is not beyond the realm of possibility here. So you're predicting that Saints are going to win three out of three? Mm, well, I don't know. You look at this game. I mean, you look now, like Huddersfield lost five. I mean, Huddersfield are in dire straits, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so you've got to think Saints have to win that. I don't know. I don't know. But I just think that if we can beat, let's beat Bournemouth... You've got to imagine if we beat Bournemouth, it's all over, surely. Well, I, if, if we beat Bournemouth, we've got to be safe because you're not going to see an 18-goal swing from Cardiff City. Against, and also Cardiff, I mean, Cardiff got some horrendous fixtures. They've got, you know, they've got Man City or someone on the last day, or was that Brighton? So Cardiff have got Fulham away, a home to Crystal Palace and away at Man United. <laughs> the thing is, I think the away at Man United looked horrendous a few weeks ago, but now yeah. you look at it as eminently winnable, don't you? Well, also you look at it like who's going to want to, who's going to care more about that game? Yeah, yeah, the bunch of fancy pants players playing for Man United, or the blokes that are probably playing for their Premier League futures at Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, will they be at that point, or will Brighton and Southampton already both be safe? Who knows? Panis could relegate them. Right, so let's have a look at our next fixtures. So we've got Bournemouth at home, West Ham United away, Huddersfield at home. Bournemouth this Saturday, feeling confident? Yeah, I think there'll be a real feel-good factor at St Mary's on Saturday. I think um, Saints are going to be really up for it. I think they'll sort of sent. I hope they'll feel sort of sense of injustice after the Watford game, and that'll fire them up. And I think they'll know. I think they'll know that you know. They can get if they can get past 
what is still a pretty good Bournemouth team, um, then then that kind of seals it, doesn't it, really? Because yeah. if you think, if we win, that makes our goal difference better. Cardiff, you know, have got... A, I don't think it's an easy game against Fulham, um, by any means. And also, you know what it's like if you've been relegated? You want to relegate other teams? Yeah. Bring uh, them down with you. Bring them, them down join with the you. suffering. So, you know, so yeah, so let's see, but I'm I'm optimistic. I think, you know, Saints 2-0 Saturday. Okay, um, which all but guarantees our survival. So by the time we head up to London, West Ham United, are you going to that game, Tom? Did you manage to persuade your dad to revisit the London Stadium after last year's uh, After last year's hell. No, no, not for that one. I think no. next, no, I think, I think it's just too grim, isn't it? So yeah, Tom, you, you're done for the season. I am done for the season. Oh, New house mate. and wedding has cleared me out, mate. Next <laughs> season, I'll be back on it. Okay. And then um, we've got Saints versus Huddersfield on the final day of the season. I'll be heading down to Southampton, so hopefully I'll see Very some of you of down that. there. Do give me a shout on Twitter, at Saints FC Podcast, if you fancy saying hello, going for a drink before the game, anything like that. Um, I think we're going to do it. Um, let's... Let's go to, let's go for some listener emails. Jason Dickey. Always a good start. Hey John. Crazy swing of emotions from Wolves to Newcastle. Wolves, we looked a bit more hungry, but more importantly, what has gotten into Shane Long? Who says we need to buy more strikers when we have Longy? He's writing this before the Watford game, by the way. <laughs> Um, Newcastle game needs a bit more attention there's a lot to learn from a loss losing two defenders clearly hurts us and Newcastle are a bit more up for it um, although I'm encouraged by that match as some of our wins the fact uh, was that we were flat outplayed in the first half but Ralph Hasenhutl quickly diagnosed the problem and decisively corrected it second half we're unlucky to only pull one back poor Yoshida should have had a hat-trick how amazing is that we have a manager who can see a problem and tactically address it on the fly that he has coached the lads up to, up up enough to implement his changes awesome i take huge comfort in that looking forward i think we could still be a bit more comfortable if we had a cushion moment but not panicking yet i'm going to disagree with jason a little bit there because i think if you watch i think problem is we have everything is different from the hughes and 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 pellegrino eras except for this tendency that when we're winning and we start we win games you know we we go up in games a lot. I think it's 25 points now this season we've lost uh, from losing, from winning positions. If we'd have kept those points, we'd have been in seventh place. We'd already have qualified for the Europa League. Now, one of the things, you know, we saw at the Watford game is we have this tendency to sit back. And sometimes Ralph makes slightly unusual substitutions. So last night we saw uh, where well, I think Shane Long came off and Valerie came on. Yeah. And it meant we were very lightweight up front against the big defenders of, of Watford and uh, so we just couldn't keep the ball and I would have liked to have seen you know Danny Ings come on hold yeah. that ball up and try you know and just try and alleviate the pressure I mean that that was an injury wasn't it but you, 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 you're right so we have the injury to Shane Long but rather than making a positive substitution Ralph makes a more defensive one and then throws James Ward-Prowse up to the top left doesn't he um, yeah, whereas I think, you know, maybe a fresh Danny Ings would have caused Watford enough problems that perhaps they wouldn't have been able to commit so many men forward. Yeah, because if you look, they, they kind of, the ball, we clear the ball and just come straight back at us. And, you know, we had no way of holding that ball up. And I think by that point, Redmond was knackered. So, you know, I don't, I, I think, I think, like, I think it's all, I, 
you know, I'm, I'm a huge, big, massive fan of Ralph, but I think one of the things he needs to address is this kind of, you know, when we're one nil up, we need to if we're not if we can't score two, then we're going to need to close these games out. Yeah. Um, another interesting email from Nick Hingston, who's picking up from our last episode and our discussion around the VAR and the Mo Salah goal and whether his offside would have been ruled out by VAR or not, or whether that was something that the pundits who are Liverpool fans uh, were thinking or not. But um, Nick's kind of opinion on VAR is VAR is going to slow the game, but may also leave as many bad decisions or controversial outcomes if, as they'd said on the commentary, was, was correct that the Salah goal would have still counted despite the fact that he was offside. Yeah, I mean, who I, I just don't understand this. Salo, you know, wouldn't have been, it would have still counted. Like, the man was offside. Yeah. You know, we said it before, don't we, about the whole, you know, if you're not interfering with a player, what are you doing on the pitch? Um, but yeah, you know, I just don't, I just don't get it. And I do, I do fear that you're going to end up with, yeah, it just seems to be very slow, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't, my, my theory is, is that they're actually going to start to change the rules of football to suit VAR and to suit the television audience. Right. So one of the reasons for that I think this is from next season, they're obviously introducing VAR in the Premier League, but also the football laws are changing um, around the handball. So no longer are you going to have accidental handball being kind of considered OK. It's just going to be like if it hits your hand, it's a handball. So they're turning handball into a black and white thing. And the reason I think they're doing this is because then you can show a replay. If it hits a hand, it's handball. If it doesn't hit a hand, it's not handball. Whereas, you know, using a replay to try and show some sort of intent is, is practically impossible. So my, my theory is, is that they are introducing that handball rule because they see a potential snag with the implementation of VAR. And I wonder if after a season of VAR and offsides and this sort of discussion that Nick's brought up with the Salah goal, if they might have to make the offside rule a bit more black and white? Yeah, I mean, for me, I just think if the ball goes, I mean, this isn't, I don't know, the ball goes forward, you're offside. If you play a part, surely it just has to be, you know, without there being almost like a change of play. Yeah. I don't know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Then you're offside. Yeah. I think, I think that makes sense. Um, also, I have an email from John Smith, and uh, he's been writing into all the Saints podcasts, all the good ones. Um, <laughs> no, and eventually he found ours and he emailed that as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's trying to draw up support for the Saints Foundation Big Bike Challenge. Do you know about this, Tom? I don't, but please tell me more. Okay, so whilst... Um, the club does support the foundation. You don't see too much PR about it at this stage. It's only a small bit on social media. So hence why John is interested in getting us to uh, speak to our, you know, couple of thousand listeners that we have and to t- tell them about the Big Bite Challenge. So um, he's going to give us a bit of, back- bit of background on the Big Bite Challenge. Every season, the foundation plans a cycle from the home of the last opposition to St. Mary's or in the opposite direction if it's an away game. So far, we've had rides including Crystal Palace, Stoke, Leicester and Man City last season. And then this season, we've got Huddersfield. As with last year, the format will be riding for three days, typically 100-ish miles on days one and two, with about 60-ish miles on the last day. Cracking time, Saints-sponsored kicks, make great friendships, get to walk around the pitch at halftime on St Mary's, and you also get to 
I've completed the Big Bike Challenge ride t-shirt and medal. The Saints Foundation staff all give their time for free and it's the highlight of the fundraising season for the foundation. Um, also, John has a nice little bit of um, personal touch here because he got involved with it for the last, last first time last year um, and taken part in Saints Fit, which is now called Saints Girl Program, and he lost well over four and a half stone as a result. And hence why he's feeling motivated to pay them back by fundraising as part of the Big Bike Challenge. I mean, he raised £2,000 last season. Um, and the goal for the foundation is to get £30,000 um, raised. So if you want to find out about it, type in the Big Bike Challenge into Google, Saints Foundation. You'll find it there. Um, and you can either sponsor one of the single riders or you can sponsor the team. But £30,000 for a fantastic cause. Also, John, total kudos, four and a half stone he's lost. I've been trying to lose half a stone for about four years and it's still not happening. So, Tom, that's the that's the big bike challenge. Um, I'll probably have to tweet out the details. It sounds very good. And I think, you know, we could all do with a little bit of Tommy trim. Yeah, yeah. Um, three days of cycling you know big big effort so tom i mean is there anything else to to bring up any other business on the agenda tonight i don't think so john just onwards and upwards now let's do it on saturday yeah oh oh i've got an exciting one we're gonna have duncan alexander back on the podcast oh, right at the end of the season he's nice. he's good i love him yeah yeah he's, he's going to be doing a statistical dive into how Southampton have survived relegation he's that confident that he's already told me that's what he's planning on doing long before he, we've, we've we're, we're you know safe he's the probably the most interesting man I've ever met so this should be great <laughs> great so anyway we'll have that to look forward to we'll get another episode between me and you Tom out probably hopefully after the weekend and we've confirmed safety um so anyway onwards and upwards Let's do it, Saints. Let's let's get safety on Saturday. Look forward to it. Cheerio. Cheers.